Welcome to another edition of the Stoutcast podcast, this time in Arizona. We are here for spring training. We, I should just say me, I guess, unless it's me, myself, and I. Anyway, I'm Bob Moffat, your beer-guzzling connoisseur for this Johnny Venture through the deserts of Arizona. And with me is Matt Trethaway, who is the head man at the Beer Research Institute. And Matt, just tell me about this time of year. It, it gets a little nuts around here. Oh, yeah, for sure. This is peak season for uh, all of us in the restaurant and brewing industry down here in Phoenix. We get a huge influx of uh, folks that are visiting from out of state for a few reasons. Uh, We've got a huge snowbird population down here. So everybody from the northern states as well as uh, uh, Canada are coming down here for their uh, winter trip. They stay for several months. Obviously, we have a huge pull with spring training, everybody coming down for the games. And quite frankly, a lot of these people come and they stay for the entire month and uh, try to catch as many games as they can. All right. Speaking of polls, uh, we've got a, quite an operation behind you. Uh, we've got how many metal tanks am I looking at um, with uh, lime green, white green? And uh, just tell me about your operation. Okay. So we're a, uh, we're a brew pub here in Mesa, Arizona. We've been uh, in operation for a little over four years. We started originally with a five barrel brew house, three little five barrel fermenters and one 10 barrel fermenter. So we had the capacity to brew 25 barrels of beer at any one point in time. Uh, realized very quickly that that wasn't enough. We were continually running out of our own beer and uh, knew that we had to expand. So at the beginning of last year, we actually finished the side that we're on right now, the expansion side, bumped our uh, brew rig up from a five barrel to a seven barrel brew house. And then we added just a forest of fermenters. So we currently have 110 barrels of fermentation space up from 25. So how many tanks? There's a lot back there. There's a lot. (laughs) No, No need to count. Who needs to count? We've got different sizes. We've got a couple 15-barrel uh, fermenters. We've got a, a few 10-barrel fermenters and, uh, and then a little, uh, little gang of 5-barrel uh, fermenters in there. Okay, so we're going to start and end with two of your concoctions uh, with a couple of different varieties in the middle, an oatmeal stout and an imperial stout. So tell me about the Morning Sex. It is a coffee, coffee milk stout, right? Coffee milk stout, yeah. So Morning Sex is one of our flagship beers. It's one of the top three selling beers that we have on uh, year-round. We just started packaging it in the cans. Uh, cans, obviously, in the craft beer market are hot, have been for quite some time, and they're uh, just gaining more and more and more popularity. But the uh, beer itself is very simple, straightforward uh, milk stout recipe. And then we collaborate with uh, one of our other local friends here, a nice place down in Chandler called Peixoto Coffee. Peixoto is a family-owned, locally-run business. The family owns a coffee plantation down in Brazil. They harvest all their own beans, they ship them up, and they make some of the best coffee in the valley. So what we have them do, and this is a little different approach to coffee stouts, Typically, coffee stouts are made with bean extraction, so they'll, like, instead of dry hopping the beer, they'll kind of dry coffee bean the beers. What we do is we have them make up a giant batch of cold brew coffee, and then we just infuse the cold brew directly into the beer. So it does dilute the beer a little bit. We start this beer out at about 6.2%. It finishes after the coffee dilution down at about 5.8. But what it does is that cold brew process doesn't lend that acrid, bitter, you know, acidic notes that you'll get from uh, hot brewed coffee or from dry beans. So you get a really nice, smooth, cold brew little kicker on it. That is without a doubt the coffeeest coffee stout I've ever had. Cheers to that. It, it is. I can't even tell you, it is literally like drinking a cup of coffee with a little bit of, with a little bit of alcohol in it, maybe somewhere yeah. that is, 
That is a mind-blowing experiment right there, my friend. We're really proud of it, and uh, like I said, it's in our top three in terms of sales, so the people love it as well. We call it morning sex because we think it's a great way to start your day. It's got that nice coffee kick in it. For every pint of this beer that you drink, there's literally two ounces of cold brew concentrate in it. That's where you're getting that coffee bomb. There is a boatload of coffee. So when a coffee roaster or any coffee shop is making cold brew, they typically dilute it to serving uh, uh, dilution. So you're gonna get about a 50-50 cut there with coffee and water. This is cold brew concentrate. So that would be like four, that'd be like drinking a four ounce uh, cup of cold brew. Uh, it's truly amazing. I, uh, and if you love coffee, this, you cannot do better than, than this. This is, uh, this is I mean, for, for, for its style and what you're looking for, um, for what it promises, I mean, it delivers hands down. I like a coffee accent, sure. So I'm not crazy about the taste. I love the smell, but mm -hmm. I'm not crazy about the taste. Sure. So for me, there's like there's like too much coffee. It's intense. Yeah, but 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 for people who love coffee, they will love this. So for what it is, I mean, it's it might not necessarily be. Like this is definitely like sipping for this is like a sipping you know like normally you'd like okay imperial you'd sip it you know but, but this is like be sipping over like a long period of time but but for what it is I I I can't help but give it an excellent just because you've nailed you've nailed it so much more than anybody else has nailed it I, I think that you know beyond what anybody else does or what their uh, you know what their mo is I think that we hit our mo for this like we did exact we produce exactly what we were going for and the, with the with the beans that they use to make the cold brew and with the grains that we're using in this beer, you get a big chocolate pop out of it as well. So you're getting that coffee layer first, that chocolate pop second, and then it's a milk stout, so we use lactose in it. And then you get that nice little creamy finish. So it's it's like creamed cold coffee. Again, just uh, nailed, exactly it, nailed exactly what yep. we were trying to do. That's incredible. Do you have varieties of it? Is, this, is there a coffee, is there a different kind? Well, we've done a couple different versions of it where, you know, we'll do specialty versions where we do infuse it with, you know, we've done vanilla, we've done coconut, we've done things like that. Uh, but it always starts out as a base beer before we add the, the coffee to it. And we release that base milk stout probably about three to four times a year. Uh, occasionally we'll do a cask of it as well. But, uh, you know, sometimes we'll just peel a little bit off the, uh, uh, the top before we uh, add the coffee to it and we'll release that. What's the general description of it without the coffee? So without the coffee, it's a little bit bigger. It's going to be a 6.2% milk stout. It's going to have more viscosity to it because I know we don't like that other word. Uh, yeah. But it's got a little bit more viscosity to it and it's a little, you know, a little thicker, a little chewier. It's a, a really, really nice beer. Just a, a very straightforward milk stout. Uh, we call that one highly offensive beer name because we uh, uh, it used to have a highly offensive beer name. So. And so now it doesn't. Now it's just no, it a highly doesn't. offensive beer name. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the Evil Twin. That's the next highest alcohol content. It's seven. Evil Twin is known all over the U.S. They're out of Stanford, Connecticut. On the can, uh, let's uh, let me describe the beer research. Uh, Morning Sex Can. It's a, a cartoon of a uh, young gentleman and a lady, no doubt, in bed. Uh, it's black and with the green accents. And then in the bed, the bed is uh, sort of a what would you call that color? Uh, ochre. Uh, sure. A color with the uh, yellow sheets, um, and on the back, uh, government warning and alcohol content 5.8%, um, 30 IBUs, and available where? 
we typically sell this uh, directly here at the brewery. We do have a couple of accounts around town that we let it slip out to. Don't do a lot of package sales. Uh, mainly uh, our, our output is kegs, uh, but there are a couple of specialty bottle stores in the Valley that we do sell this to. And then one specifically that serves this in the can exclusively is Casey Moore's down in Tempe, uh, kind of a Tempe college institution over there. They carry uh, this beer in the can every day. Okay, so we're going to go to the uh, Evil Twin Brewing No Hero uh, Oatmeal Stout. All right, well, that's, uh, that's some booze right on the nose uh, originally. Like, first take on that. Sweet malts. Big pop of ethanol. The can promises an alien-like outsider always flirting with oddity and exploiting anxiety and paranoia, a style chameleon, a wonderful labyrinth, and truly a transcendent genius. It's impossible not to idolize out of proportion. This is a stout. It may not be a hero, but it's attractive, clever, and hungry for stardom. I, I think, I'm not sure who the marketing people are for some of these, but they go over the top often. Absolutely. So this has got a just a ton of roast, some very, very dark grains we're using this, obviously, and that roast, uh, you start to get into that descriptor that I was using uh, for coffee beers in terms of that, 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 that burnt, uh, roasty flavor that is definitely present in this one, hopefully by design. Well, you're not kidding. That's a lot of burnt. There's some heavy, uh, there's some heavy black patent malt in this, most likely, and uh, sometimes that can be. Uh, it's a great accent uh, to add color and roasty flavor uh, when it's used extremely heavily. Uh, it does contribute that uh, that that burnt roast uh, flavor. That's got a nice head too. I'm. That's uh, it's too bitter. It's 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 too. There's too much. It's just it's. Uh, I don't particularly care for the taste, and yeah, I'm not a uh, I'm not a fan. Your thoughts? Uh, that is an intense beverage. I had two sips. Expected the second one to like even out from the first. It didn't. I tried some water. Yeah, I uh, as far as an oatmeal, it's not like uh, I mean a really good to me a really good oatmeal stout is really creamy, and it doesn't have the aftertaste. Um, and it doesn't have that chalky consistency, so for that, it's that it's fine. I just don't, I just don't like it. I try to be extremely uh, careful in critiquing beers that are in our space, right, in the craft beer market, because I know it goes into it, and I know, you know, I know how hard it is. So I, I don't know what the I don't know what the brewer's intention was or what their design was. If they wanted a very intense roasted uh, stout they nailed it um the roast intensity on this one is is through the roof so seven percent it you know that's kind of where you're getting those booze and and high uh, uh alcohol notes uh which you know doesn't bother me at all we make extremely big abv beers so i kind of look for that you know starting with the morning sex that's kind of on the lower abv scale for for us so i, I like the big punchy beers that has a, undoubtedly a lot of flavor it, it does have a lot of flavor. I just, I don't, we rate from, you know, excellent, very good, good, fair, poor, wouldn't feed it to the cat. Um, it's obviously not cat, and it's, I don't think it's, I don't think it's poor, but as far as just my enjoyment of it, I've got to give it a fair, 
as far as what they're going for, like you said, they if they're go, if that's what they're going for, but they don't really tell you what they're going for. It just says oatmeal stout. So correct. Yeah. Compared to the others, I mean, I really I can't I can't help but give it but give it a fair. There's so many breweries now. There's over six thousand breweries in the United States, and there are obviously several times that in terms of beer consumers and i think that there's something different for everybody and you know there are beers that are top rated that i just don't like at all just because it's not my thing right and i think that's kind of the beauty of it is that you know you don't have to like every beer and you certainly don't have to love every beer um what you need to do as a craft beer drinker is find the ones that you really do enjoy and stick with what you know every once in a while expand outside of that box try something new see if you like something now that you didn't like a year ago. I mean, always be reaching for new things, but we all know our palates. You know what you like, so stay in your lane. This is a little different just having me solo here. Why I usually have a, try to have a couple of cohorts alongside is because that way we can each give our opinions and that way it's it's a broader spectrum. Uh, it's not just one guy. Yeah, for um, sure. But I, yeah, compared to, compared to others, I mean, I appreciate what they've done and, you know, I never... Well, almost never not appreciate what somebody does unless it's just really awful. Then I'm like, I can't, I don't. I, that happens too. It had, does happen occasionally. So, all right, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this is probably, if you really like roast, then it's definitely for you, but it's, it's definitely not for me. So, all right, let's move on. We have Boulevard Dark Truth Imperial Stout. It is a, it comes in a bottle. It's got a sort of a dark gray label up top with the boulevard and the in uh, a cream and then the boulevard is a, a square turned on its side uh, so the points are up uh, green label dark with an eyeball in the middle dark over the eyeball truth imperial stout what we know about this is 9.7 percent alcohol by volume 60 ibus and let's see if we can open it well we don't really do bottles here so we don't have bottle openers but let's see if we can Rig it open. All right. I don't want to impress you, but I was a Boy Scout. I know how to do things. That's great. And then that's, they, they teach you how to open a, a bottle of beer with a knife, right? No, they don't. Um, but you know, you learn some skills and then you're able to apply those to other tasks. Well, that's got a beautiful head. That pours really nice. Got a nice little color. I mean, looking at the glass, it's it's pitch black. Uh, you hold it up to some light, you're gonna get some of that thinner light notes on top, which are you know that mahogany leather uh, sort of. So it's a it's a really good looking beer. It smells nice. You can definitely uh, you can definitely feel the hops coming through in the nose, for sure. Slight, uh, just very slight ethanol note. So which is kind of surprising. And this is, a, I think, a great point of uh, differentiation between these two beers. This is 9.7% alcohol, and the ethanol notes are extremely muted, uh, whereas the No Hero was a 7% uh, oatmeal stout, and the ethanol was, you know, jumping out of the glass. That comes down to style and, and technique, I think, trying to mute some of those higher alcohols. Okay, so you're getting, again, you're getting, uh, you're getting a nice roast on this. It's a lot more subtle than the last one. The roast is definitely there and present. You can taste some of the, uh, the, the caramel malts that are in this as well. There's a little residual sweetness. 
That could be either from those uh, caramel malts or from just a fact that this, this beer to get 9.7% started with a huge grain bill and there's probably uh, you know, a good amount of uh, residual sugars left behind, probably somewhere in the you know, 15 to 20% mark. So definitely backs up the alcohol with sweetness and with a little bit of hop character. So that's a, that's a nice beverage. There's not a lot of information on the label, but I looked it up online, and um, once again, a long-winded explanation of what they do with many large words. We we all want to tell a story. Yes. uh, (laughs) What it gets down to is uh, barley, wheat, rye, and oats. I picked up a little bit of the coffee, and I definitely picked up the the fruitiness of the fig. I didn't know what it was, but uh, it's got espresso roasted fig creme brulee and Belgian yeast. Looking for spicy herbal notes with a rich velvety mouthfeel. We try not to use the words mouth and feel together. Okay. Just because it sounds snobby. Yeah, for sure. I like it. I like it a lot better than the previous one. I, I get the, the oats and the and the silkiness from the oats in there, but uh, also um, now that you read the description, you say figs and creme brulee. Um, the creme brulee is probably what I was uh, reaching for with those crystal malts. That's probably where, where those, because it's, it's a toffee kind of burnt sugar kind of sweetness thing it's a good beer i drink that again it's good um now that i know what it's supposed to be i appreciate it a little bit more the aftertaste is not a crisp it's not it doesn't end it no, keeps it going and i yeah. yeah and i'm not i'm not that's something i'm not crazy about it's stick it's sticking to the back of my palate for sure and yeah and it, do, it doesn't go away like you'd need uh you'd need a rinser in between this beer to go to another one uh, for sure, it's sticky back there. But again, I think that that's the adjuncts that they're throwing in with the with the figs and the creme brulee. The surprise to me is the Belgian yeast, where I'm not really tasting the Belgian yeast. I am getting that in the nose. I'm getting like a, the the floral or the fruity phenolics that are coming from that Belgian yeast, which is a really neat approach. Maybe not anything that I I don't think that we'd be entirely comfortable doing in terms of having confidence and being able to nail it. But they did, and that's another great part about craft beer is that. Everybody's out there just taking shots and shooting for the fences, and uh, sometimes you get, you know, you get that lightning in a bottle. Yeah. I try to encourage us to rate when we rate a beer to to really give a lot of uh, credit for delivering on what they were or what they're promising. And so I think in that in that manner, I think they do a really good job of that. As far as the total product and what I'm and what I'm tasting, I'm. Uh, yeah. It's, I mean, you know, had better, had a lot better and a lot and a lot. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking somewhere if, if you kind of like that figgy fruity kind of, um, you know, it's not, uh, there's not a lot, it's not like raisiny or crantony like that kind of thing, but it's, it's, it's kind of fruity. I, 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 I think it's, I think it's okay. I think it's fairly good. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that that's, that's not necessarily, uh, those fruit notes aren't necessarily what I'm looking for in a stout. Last but not least, what yeah. do we have here? So this is, uh, this is Dark Side Till I Die. Uh, it is a Imperial Oatmeal Stout. Uh, so you're gonna get about 9.6% alcohol out of this thing. Uh, I think we're right around 60 IBUs. Uh, this was originally brewed uh, for the release of, well, you can't see our place uh, on the internet, but uh, directly behind us, we have a movie theater. Um, so we're, one of, uh, we're very fortunate in that we have that entertainment district that we're in. And so a lot of times people will come here for a couple beers, go to the movie, finish the movie, come back for a couple beers. So uh, anytime we've got big release dates, uh, we usually try to capitalize on that. 
a couple of years ago when um, the when they started re-releasing the Star Wars movies and they came out with uh, Episode Seven. You know, I kind of I grew up on Star Wars, so I'm a huge fan. And uh, we thought, well, let's make a beer specifically for that day. Uh, we knew that there would be lines out of both sides of the theater and we'd have a captive audience back there. So we made a Star Wars themed beer. This is it, uh, Dark Side Till I Die. Uh, the uh, uh, imagery that we use for this is Darth Vader, of course, and uh, kind of put our little spin on it. But uh, it's, a big, it's a big monster uh, Imperial uh, oatmeal stout, 9.6%. And uh, this is one of our, uh, it's certainly not a core beer uh, in that we don't have it on all the time, but when we do have it on, uh, it's highly rated and it sells out very quickly. Uh, we do a barrel-aged version of this about once a year as well in bourbon barrels, and those barrels change every year, obviously, but uh, that is, uh, that's some pretty hot fire right there. So uh, the, the first notes I get off of it are kind of, like, I'm not sure if it's a roast or coffee, um, and then like the second one, it's, it gets sweeter. Um, so let me. Uh, does the IBU, the the number of IBUs, have anything to do with the uh, um, with the lingering of it, or just kind of the uh, the uh, bitterness? So yeah, you're gonna you're definitely gonna get some perceived bitterness uh, from the hopping in this one, and that's really just to balance and counteract the level of sweetness. Because again, at a nine point six percent beer, you have so much residual sugar floating around in that beverage. If you don't increase the level of bitterness uh, in it to a to a, a certain level, it just becomes extremely cloying, uh, very very sweet. You know when you start getting into those uh, you know those those big Russian Imperials that are 12, 14 percent, and you have to sip those because they're just so much and so chewy. Um, that's kind of the idea here. Obviously, it's a smaller beer, but that's kind of the idea in balancing it so it's not cloyingly sweet. Uh, but this one you're going to get. Uh, there's no coffee in it. There's no chocolate in it. I, I perceive on my palate more chocolate notes than I do coffee notes, but there's certainly coffee notes in it. Um, and that's all from the roasted malts that we use. Yeah, I, no, I like it. It's, uh, it's, it starts off, like I said, it starts off with, with one taste. And I, I like that too, when you start off with one and then you kind of go to the other and it, it progresses. It, it's um, layered for sure. I guess the roastiness of it is it's not as intense as the other ones that we tried and for me that's good i like more subtlety sure. um and um and i like but i also like that there's a little bit of sweetness in there and it's 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 nice it's balanced um it's got a good taste and um and yeah it's it's not something you want to you're not going to have you know a couple of i don't know if you're going to make it through two pints or even but it's it's something you want a smaller a smaller sample size yeah we we do this uh, we actually pour this one in a in a 12 ounce tulip uh, for that reason, so that people don't get palate fatigue. Um, obviously, it's a 9.6 as well, so we want to kind of pace alcohol consumption. Uh, it is uh, with the grain bill and the 9.6. It's a it's a very expensive beer for us to make as well. So it's it's sort of portioning uh, for uh, you know uh, profitability. It's also uh, just monitoring people's uh, level of consumption, uh, but then, but then again, it is it, it is a monster in terms of flavor profile. And if you do drink two of these, your palate's going to be shot. Uh, you know, you're not going to really enjoy uh, the next beers that you drink. You know, unless you guzzle a glass of soda water, uh, it's going to be kind of hard to reset your palate after this one. All right. So, um, yeah, we've had an interesting 
flight here of, uh, of different varieties, and, uh, and I think I think we saved the best for last, uh, for at least as far as my palate goes. I think it's uh, I think it's very good. Um, Tone the coffee down a little bit, right? <laughs> well, well, that's the, the the thing, and that you know, and that's the funny thing about this. Normally, with the lower alcohol, the, we started with the lower alcohol, which is right. what I try to do because I one of the, a couple of the earlier ones when we did sort of a, a different flight like this, then I made the mistake of f starting off with the fire, and then wondered why the other ones after didn't taste like much. Well, that's because I just set fire to my mouth. So I, um, so the funny thing is like, we started off with the coffee and the coffee, the, 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 the smallest alcohol is by far the most flavorful. So it's just, it's a, everyone's different. It's, it's interesting. Everyone's, you know, so that's a great point too. So everyone's different in terms of uh, what their brewing style and technique is, uh, the ingredients that they use. And, and then again, like what, what's your MO? What are you trying to uh, accomplish in the beer that you're designing and making? And then two is that everybody's palate's different. You know, we all perceive the different taste factors differently and no two people are gonna uh, enjoy the same beer the same way. So it really is a crapshoot in terms of what people are gonna like. You know, there's some parameters there, of course, but everyone's gonna perceive it a little differently. All right, so that's going to do it for this episode of the Stoutcast podcast from the Beer Research Institute in Mesa, Mesa, Arizona, with Matt Trethway. I'm Bob Moffat. Thank you for joining us. Until next time. I said